are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Today we're wrapping up this month of uh, messages on the theme of prayer, spending time with God in prayer, and I hope that you have been intentional about that, but don't let it stop now. This is a discipline, uh, but it's more of a joy to be able to have that time with someone who knows us best and loves us the most. You know, when you're with the people that you value, you know, the people that you, you like and the people that you love, your face shows it, your, your words say it, it just, it just comes out. Teresa and I live away from our families, and so we spend time on the phone with them regularly. And every conversation usually begins with a very, it's so good to hear your voice. How are you doing? And, and, and you who live away from family know what I'm talking about. It's, it's a sense of, yeah, it's good to hear you. And it ends with words like, I love you. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. In the midst of the conversation, we'll always say something like, I'm thankful for you, Dad. I'm thankful for you. You know, we hear it both ways. Um, and I'm proud of you. We, these conversations are pretty routine. In fact, when I call my parents because of their state of mind right now, I could pretty much have a script that we go through in every conversation. But let me ask you, does that ever grow old? Is it routine to do that? Is it a duty to do that? When you're with the people you love, it's a delight. It's a joy, even if it's something that you do all the time. And when it comes to spending face time with God, there are some things that are always appropriate to say. There are some demeanors that we need to have that is always right. And it should not feel like routine. It should not feel like duty, even though it is our duty, even though it is routine. The thing I want to make sure that we walk away with today is that it is, it is our duty, but it is also our delight to express our joy and gratitude to God. And any prayer that you have with God should have those elements in it, joy and gratitude. Today's text is uh, the second most popular of all the Psalms. It's Psalm 100. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to turn there with me. Psalm 100. Outside of Psalm 23, it is probably read more than any others. It's been put to music more than any other psalm. And um, it is something that I want to just dive a little deeper in. We opened the service with it this morning. But I would like you to stand and let's read this together this morning. Would you stand? We have it up here so we're all in the same version. Let's read it together and read it as if we really, really mean it, okay? Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever and his faithfulness through all generations. You may be seated. In, in this psalm, there's a twofold call to worship. The first three verses 
are a call to be joyful. It's a command to be joyful. And then the last two are, is a call to give thanks. And so I just want to talk about those in a little bit. But the first thing I really want us to get in terms of the first part of this psalm is this. Joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Joy is something we can choose. And today, I'm challenging you and me to choose joy. The fact that the Bible commands us to be joyful says something about the nature of joy. And here's, here's the thing. We always tend to equate joy and happiness as exact synonyms. Though they are connected to one another, there's a difference between happiness and joy. As I understand it scripturally, I see that happiness is something that's really based on circumstances. You know, we're, we're happy because we are around the people we like to be around. We're happy because we're experiencing a, a, a fun event. Um, and, and we're happy because, you know, we have this stuff that we like to be, like to have. We don't want to lose. So happiness is thing-centered, it's people-centered, it's event-centered. But joy, joy is a little bigger than that. Joy isn't all about the things we have or the people that are around us or the experiences we're having. Joy, biblically speaking, is, is far bigger. It's really God-centered. And real joy, real joy is something that I can have no matter what I'm going through because joy isn't based on the fickle circumstances of life. Joy is based on the one thing, the one being, the one God that doesn't change, that's always there. No matter what circumstances we're going through, that is the anchor for our souls. That is the foundation upon which we stand. And so joy based upon a solid foundation isn't as fickle as happiness is. If God is who God is, and if God is still alive and in charge, and if God still cares for me, I have reason to rejoice no matter what I'm going through. And so the text can command us to be joyful. But not only does it just command us to be joyful, it tells us how. <clears throat> it tells us how. Four directives right here in these next couple of verses. He says, first of all, shout. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Think about that. Think about that. We are told to worship joyfully. Now, I, I know that when we worship, when you really grasp what worship is, when we who are human and weak and sinful and failing come before God, our creator, our sustainer, the ruler of the universe, the infinite you know, we're so finite. We're addressing the infinite. And, and we're weak coming before God who's omnipotent. I mean, like Moses at the burning bush, there is that reality that we are in the presence of something that we need to respect and revere. Many of you know, Teresa and I were just away on vacation. We did our bucket list trip uh, to Italy. We'd never been there and planned to do that. Our 35th anniversary, we... We splurged and we went. One of the things that we enjoyed most was visiting the cathedrals in the different cities. Every town had its cathedral. There's something about when you walk out from the outside into one of these majestic Gothic cathedrals and 
the it's just magnificent. The, I can't come up with the superlatives to describe the grandeur and the beauty of some of these places, you know, and the ones that were stained glass depicting the pictures of scripture. Back in the days that these were built, most people were illiterate. And so the statues, the, the frescoes, the paintings, all were biblical stories to tell the gospel in, in visual form so that when the, the common person would come into this cathedral, they would feel like they walked into a whole different place. And it feels that way. And you just immediately get silent. Oh, wow, this is a different place. And, and the idea was to create a sense of you're, you're putting heaven on earth for people that live such hard lives and for them to walk into here, you know, the dome, they all have a big dome and the dome is, is, to, is to be a picture of, of the heavens coming down to earth. And you walk in and it's like, ah, oh, this is great. You just sort of because you feel like that. There's a sense in worship where we must have that. But I find the, the irony of scripture is that though we must revere and respect God, and I think I'm all for that, that God comes close to us and wants us to celebrate God's goodness. And so therefore the command is, let's be joyful. We can be solemn and joyful at the same time. You can shout and still respect God. You can worship God and praise and clap and still have that sense of we are in the presence of something far greater and bigger than us. And so the command here is to shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. And worship is a celebration. Worship is joy. Worship is contagious. Joy is contagious, is it not? I mean, you're around people that are having a good time. Doesn't it wear off a little bit on you? And so when we come together and worship on Sunday morning, should we not be the kind of people that like to scatter joy around to the people around us? And again, one of the other experiences I had over there, I'm not going to tell you all about my vacation. This is it right here. But one of the other things we did in Siena, which is a beautiful medieval town. And in uh, this town square is just this huge El Campo, and they still have horse races twice a year in this square. It's famous for that. And, and it's filled with these outdoor cafes around the whole one side of it. And so we're in there in the evening. It's a beautiful night. And we're just walking around all these. And one of the, one of the outdoor cafes has a, a big screen watching the World Cup. Being in Europe during the World Cup was kind of cool, too. And they're watching the World Cup. And all these people in yellow shirts are sitting around a table. And they're going crazy. They're going wild. And because Colombia is playing. And they're all from Colombia. And they're sitting there watching. And here's our, our let's give a shout out to our Colombians. Yeah. And they won. They won. Yeah. And, and see their joy right now. We feel it. That's what we were feeling there that night in the square. You, if you weren't even from Colombia, when Colombia would score and those people would shout, everybody around them would get happy. Everybody around them was feeling the joy. And when we come to God in worship, we need to be the kind of people that spread the joy around because of our, our understanding of what it's all about. One, uh, worship should be not like so many of us sometimes we come to church we, it's like you look at them and it's like do you think you're in the doctor's office you know, really do you think you're hearing the dentist drill in the background and you're just waiting to have your teeth drilled I mean you just look at people and it's like they think they're in a traffic jam you know and they just can't wait to get moving and get out and I'm thinking are we not here to worship God what's more important that you could be doing right now than that 
What's more important that you could be doing right now than worshiping God? If you tell me something that's more important than worshiping God, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. So when we come together, let's come with a sense of joy. And that's the call that it gives in this psalm. And, and, then he, and then he says, shout. He says, serve, worship the Lord. Another way to translate that, some of the versions is serve the Lord with gladness. And when we worship, what we're doing is we're serving God. All week long, God serves us. All our lives, God is giving us his provenient grace, his blessings, his goodness. You wake up in the morning, you have breath to breathe. Thank God for that. You have food on your table and a roof over your head, clothes on your back. You have been blessed by God. We live with the blessings of God. God's serving us all the time. This life is not our own. We are God's. We live by the grace of God. We come together. We're here to serve God. And that's what we do. We come, to, we come to worship. God calls us into his presence. But in a sense, when we worship, we're calling God down into our presence. We're calling, inviting the Holy Spirit to be with us. When you invite somebody to your house, do you tell them to get up and do the dishes? Do you tell them to serve you? No, when you invite somebody to your house, you wait on them. And when we worship, we're waiting on God. We're serving God. We're saying, God, I want you to know how thankful I am for you. I am coming here and singing today to demonstrate to you that I love you. I am blessed by knowing you and having you in my life. We come to worship and we're like serving up the dinner table to God. God, accept our praises, accept our prayers. Accept this as a pleasing sacrifice to you. You provide a sacrifice of a meal to somebody you love. We provide a sacrifice of worship. And it is a divine meal we offer up to God when we come together and worship. Shout to God. Serve God. It says, in view of God's mercy in Romans 12, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and your proper worship. This is what worship is. It's celebrating and serving. In fact, this is why the next month in July, we are starting a new sermon series. We're capping it off with our Serve the Bird Sunday, which Lori just talked about. But the whole month is about James. We're going to take a look at the James epistle. And it's about, we're calling it blisters. It's about putting your faith into action. James said, you know, you show me your faith without works. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, faith must be followed up with serving God by serving others. And that's what the month of July, and all, we're about that all the time. But that's our focus here that month. And we're going to cap it off with everybody getting out on the streets that last Sunday of the month. And we're taking church to the streets. So it's just going to be a fun experience. And um, so we shout, we serve, and then he says, come before him with joyful songs. In other words, draw close to me, God says. God invites us to come. Think about that. The God of the universe invites you to come into his presence. Now, one more story. When we were in Rome, (laughs) the Pope invited me, but I was too busy. I couldn't make it. (laughs) Couldn't meet with him. I had more important things to do. Eat pizza and pasta. I mean, come on. Uh, You know, very few of us will ever have an invitation to meet with the Pope or to meet with the President. But if we did, would that not be awesome? Imagine God. Come. Sup with me. Come. Meet with me. God says to us when we come together, and you don't have to do it in church. You can wake up in the morning. 
God says, come to me. Worship me. Shout for joy. Today, Monday morning, I choose joy because it's not dependent upon the fact that I have to go to work. Work is going to be here and gone, and I'm glad I have a job, but thank God that God's always with me no matter what. Shout, serve, draw close. The only thing he says when we come together, come together with joyful songs, songs of praise. Again, we don't do this for your entertainment. We don't have a band so that you could sit back and say, wow, that sounds really great. We do it to invite all of us to give an audience to God and worship God. You know, you, if you know, you know, you say, but I can't sing. I don't like to sing in public. I never did sing in public. Well, the music's loud enough. We can't hear you anyhow. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, even if you can't sing, if you know who Jesus is, you have a song in your heart. You have a song in your heart. Express it to God. So we're to worship joyfully. But we're also to worship God knowing God. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. The Bible says if, you, if you're going to worship God, you should know him. Not just know about God. Not just know him in your head intellectually or knowing God theologically or even experience, you need to know God in a way that you acknowledge God with your actions. Know God in such a way that you acknowledge him by the way you live. Your knowledge of God on a Sunday morning ought to translate into a life of obedience and pleasure and, and joyful serving God every day of the week. People should know you're a believer by your actions far more than they should know you by your words. And you acknowledge your knowledge of God by living that out. <clears throat> you, can be a, you can come to church and sit here and not, not worship God. Just being here doesn't make you a worshiper. Knowing God and experiencing that and acknowledging that, that God is this. He says God is God alone. The Lord, these are the three things he says we should know. God is God alone. He says the Lord is God, one God. God is our creator, he who made us. And God takes care of those who belong to him. He says, we're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. He's a shepherd. He wants to take care of us. He wants to serve you too. So the first call to worship is the call to joy. Joy, Henry Nouwen said, isn't something that happens to us. Joy does not simply happen to us. He says, we have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. Today, I choose joy. Can you say that with me? Today, I choose joy. Today, I choose joy. I choose joy. I don't feel like it. Choose joy. Choose joy. And then, and then he, the second call to worship is a call to, be, to give thankful praise to God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his mercy or his love endures forever, and his faithfulness through all generations. Joy is a choice. Thanksgiving, with my mouth, stirs up gratitude in my heart. When I begin to talk and say and speak and think with my mouth, with my brain, about gratitude toward God, it sinks into my heart. Verse 4 so it commands us to be thankful. Now, let me ask you this. 
Why does it command us to be thankful? Or maybe I should say, for whose good is my gratitude? Does my gratitude to God, yes, it's a sacrifice of praise, yes, it, it serves and blesses God, but do I do it purely for God's sake, or does God ask me to do it for his sake? Do you think God needs my praise? No. Who needs your praise to God? You need your praise to God more than God needs your praise to God. When I choose to come to God with praise and thanksgiving, I am the one that's changed. I am the one that is made better as a result of that. We used to open up every service back in the 80s with the same chorus from this passage. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Do you remember that? Any of you remember that? I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Love that. Every, we'd sing that every time. And what it would do, it would set the tone for the worship service. It was called, this scripture set the song, calling us to worship. And unfortunately, that's not how many of us enter worship. We come to worship in Maybe we had a fight on the way with kids who were fighting in the car or somebody was late to get here or whatever. I, I just know the devil is in the job of getting us to church in a bad mood. I mean, it just is, it's too early. I don't want to get up. I have other things to do. Oh, do we have to go? We, you know, unfortunately, we come and, and we're angry. We're frustrated. We come in with our arms folded and our attitude stinking and, you know, we come into church and we're just waiting for somebody to dare to make us happy. <laughs> Prove to me that you can make me happy. I dare you. I, I just think that we need to, before we walk through these doors, say, today, I choose joy. I'm going to be thankful to God no matter how I feel. I'm not going to be dependent upon my feelings. I'm going to choose gratitude. And you know when that does, you know what that does? When you turn, when you come in and you start thanking God, what you think about is the things you're thankful for. You don't think about the things you're mad about. You think about the big things in life that God gives you all the time and you forget about the temporary problems you have. You say, but you don't want to go through, Pastor. I'm going through tough times. I understand that. And this is still the best place to do. Because what happens is you realize when you thank God that the tough times are not all times. The tough times are tough, but they don't last forever. And God is still God. God is still on his throne. God will be there tomorrow. God will be there in the future. The one who says, I love you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're reminded of that. And it just puts your mind on heavenly things, not on earthly things, as the scripture says in Philippians. We put our minds there. That's what we do when we come together. But pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've done. How can I praise God? It feels like I'm a hypocrite when I'm in a bad mood to thank God. <clears throat> it feels like I'm inauthentic when I do that. It's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. Sometimes it's greater sacrifice than others to do it, but when you do it, it's therapeutic. And the word therapeutic is, is means it heals you. It heals your soul. It heals your spirit when you do that. And three reasons he gives. For God is good. 
The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who doesn't change like the shifting shadows. You praise God, it reminds you of the things that are eternal, the things that are foundational, and it helps you. The second reason is it is his unfailing love that endures forever. That word chesed speaks about God's mercy that's new every morning. It speaks about God's prevenient and his faithful love and grace and mercy in your life. It's the covenant love of God, the God that says, I will be there no matter what you go through. When you go through the deep waters, God says, I will be there. When you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God says, I will be there. When you walk into the far off country and squander your life away, when you return back home, God is saying, I'm still there for you. God, when we praise God to give thanks to God for that, it changes us. It helps us. And it proves, speaks of his, unfaith, his faithfulness throughout all generations. And you know what that means? That means you and me. You and me, here and now. Faithfulness of God. Honey, can you throw me that book for a second? I, I want to end. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have a lot to thank God about. I don't know. I always find it helpful when I'm around people that have suffered a lot who are more joyful than me. And you know, that's ironic, isn't it? Sometimes the most joyful people are people that have far less. And when we're in Nairobi, we see these poor kids in, this, in, 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 in poverty-stricken areas, and they have more joy than the typical kid in America that's sitting there playing with his, with his machines. And they are more joyful. How is that? I'm around people that have far less or go through far, le- far more suffering than I am, and their joy inspires me to think, you know, I'm pretty good. God has been good. One of those people, Nick Vujicic, I don't know if many of you have heard of Nick. Uh, he's an amazing, born without limbs, without arms and legs. And uh, if you get on YouTube and look, look him up, you'll see tons of, he travels the world, inspirational speaker and evangelist. And I thought, you know, we say we don't have reason to praise God. I just want Nick to close the service off with this video. I'm going to go ahead and show that, and then I'll come up and wrap things up real quickly. Do you know God? Do you know God as what? Who? What does He do for you? Why is He interested in us? Why would He ever have the time of day to listen to my prayer? Who am I compared to God, the Creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega? It's a big thought. Um, For me, God is everything. For me, there were many times in my life where I did not have peace in my life and seeking the answers to many questions. And of course, being born without limbs, I asked God, why did this happen? You know, we always talk to God more on a bad day. (laughs) We ask God for things, we thank God for things, but do you get to know Him? Do you talk to Him apart from just asking Him for things? Because if I had a friend and I just called Him up when I needed Him, it's not really a friendship. Do you know that He is excited to hear from you? Do you know that you were on His mind before the earth began and He formed you in your mother's womb? That was such an amazing peace that I had at 15 years old to know that I finally have someone who's going to be with me through it all, who knows all my circumstances, who's bigger than my circumstances, not like my parents. My parents loved me. My parents were there for me. They were not going to leave me at all. 
but they couldn't change anything and they couldn't heal my heart, but God did. How cool is that, that He loves me so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. Who am I that God would ever want to even talk to me, let alone let His Son die for me? Jesus Christ, He died for my sins. But John 3.16 says God came and saved the world. He rescued us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ. In verse 17, it says, Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save us. And when the world thinks, well, oh, well, Jesus is now the only way, the truth, and life. Yeah, it's because He is the only one who died for our sins. He is the only one who claimed that He was God in the flesh. He was the only holy one. He was the only one who faced the devil face to face and won. He was the only one who could raise himself from the dead. And when I believe in God and I receive Him as my Lord and get to know Him as my friend, that same Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit, will raise me up from the dead. How cool is that? I'm not going to die. I may take my last breath here on earth, but I have confidence in Him, not only for salvation, but for comfort, for strength. And I can actually talk to Him. I might be good to you, but compared to God, who's Nick Boyd No one. I might be good compared to some other people, but how good is good and how bad is bad? That's why we bring out the Bible and say, okay, let's not compare ourselves to each other, but let's compare ourselves to God. Well, if we do that, we got a little bit of a problem. <laughs> if you think that having no arms, no legs is a problem, not knowing God is a bigger problem. And I want you to know that it's not too late. Yeah, tomorrow is not promised, but you have today to say, hey, you know what, God, if, if you're up there and you have a plan for me, I want to know what that plan is. And the beautiful thing about knowing God is knowing what He said, knowing what He says about how much He loves me, about how He'll never leave me, about no matter how many times I fail, He still loves me and I'm under construction every day. And Nick fails God, but God's grace is sufficient as long as I hunger and strive to know Him more. And it's not this to-do thing, it's a love thing. I love God, and God loves me. And as we spend more time with each other, I fall in love with Him more and more every day. The most exciting thing that I can ever do today is to know something more about God's love for me and my family. He can give you faith to believe this. If you ask Him for faith, He'll actually give you faith. Faith is not a gift that's earned. Faith is a gift that's given. He loves you so much. And more than anything today, I want you to know God. Amen. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy, joy is something that we can have at all times. Giving thanks to God isn't a duty, it's a delight. We do it because when we know God, you can't help but be grateful. Paul wrote, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God.
and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Joy is a choice. Today you can choose joy. When you praise and thank God with your mouth, it changes your heart. It never gets old to spend face time with the people you love. It never should grow old to spend time with God who loves you more than anybody on this earth ever could. It can be a routine, but that doesn't mean it has to be old and stale. Do you know God? Do you know Jesus? <sighs> Today would be a great day to say, God, I, 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 I want to know you more. I need to know you better. I want to follow you. I want my life to be about something far bigger than me. I, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to start my FaceTime with you today, God. Or maybe God's calling you back to him. Maybe it's time to come back to God and say, God, I've been ignoring you lately. I've not picked up that phone. I've not taken time to talk to you in a long time. And God, today is a day for me to do that. God, I want to do that. Would you bow your heads with me? talk to him right now. He's here in this place. And for, for, the, for, the, for the one that might be here that's saying, God, I don't know you and I, I don't know about you. I need to know about you and I want to know more. God, I, I give my life to you today. I want to invite you. I want to start this conversation. God, I come to you. I know that I don't know. I know I'm not perfect. I know that I have a lot of problems. I've done a lot of things I'm ashamed of. And God, I need you still, and I want you to forgive me, and I want you into my heart because I need that, and I need you. I give my life to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. Maybe you've strayed from God, and it's time for you to say that again and say, God, I just want to come back to you. Thank you that you're still there, and I just want to thank you, God, that you're faithful to me even when I've been unfaithful to you, God. I come back to you and help me to do the right things, to live the right way, to, to, to do what I can to repair for the mistakes I've made, but Lord, allow you to lead me into the future. I need that, Jesus. Amen. 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 There's something about routine that I am all for. When I grew up, my family wasn't a particularly religious family, uh, but we said our prayers. We were taught to say our prayers. And in the morning, our routine breakfast prayer, which my brother would always pray. In fact, we're with, when we're with my parents who are still alive now in their mid-80s, whose minds aren't what they used to be, my mom can't remember a lot of things that she said. Short-term memory isn't that great. But when it's time to pray in the morning, it's right there. 
Father, we thank thee for the night and for the blessed morning light, for rest and food and loving care and all that makes the day so fair. Amen. It's a routine prayer. It's a prayer of thanksgiving, but it set the day. The dinner time. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we all are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Amen. Can you pray that without thinking about it? If you do it all the time, sure. Can it be just road prayer? Maybe. But you know what? At this point in my life, I'm glad that I had those routine prayers to pray, even when I didn't know God. But it helped me to come to know God. God is good. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.